You want hey, hey, hey. Yeah, you, 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 you should do it. You, you should do it. We're recording, by the way. But ah, uh, oh, shit. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Um, do it. Just do it. Welcome, everyone. This is the Sterkos Occurred Podcast, the podcast where shit happens. Nice. And I am your co-host, Bobby Rosson, together with another co-host, or I can call him our main host, Kobe Arvis. Main. Uh, main. <laughs> you flatter me, you sir. Know, you know, I'm. You're like the main, and then Renzo and I are like the supports. You know. Uh-huh, you you're, flatter me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or, oh, or stop it! You're uh-huh. like you're, you're mid lane. I'm 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 like I'm like the ADR. <laughs> I'm like like that. Uh-huh, stop okay, it! Okay, let's continue. Stop it, you. Let's continue. Uh-huh. Let's, just, let's, let's fucking continue. All right. How so, Kobe, how was your um? I asked first. How was your week? week? I asked first. Fuck you. I asked first. Fuck you. Okay, fine. My week. Well, I've been binging with my girlfriend. You know. Mary and I, we've been we've been watching shows, and actually checking out reviews as well. We we watch a show uh, or movie, then we dissect it afterwards, and also get inputs from uh, various reviews, YouTube videos that have a take on uh, or a hot take on the certain topic, movie, whatsoever. Um, our most recent take was steven universe oh yeah yeah uh, oh no <laughs> if you guys are steven universe fans here well i understand the struggle right fuck i you. mean fuck you guys <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey we don't want to piss them off either way we dissected it we know it's flaws and you know we moved on tomorrow we're gonna watch something else how long right. is the first episode of steven universe 10 minutes so each episode of Steven Universe has approximately ten minutes worth of flaws. Just <laughs> no, no, and that, that's not what I mean. Because okay, I'll 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 explain. Right? Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but let's just say I was disappointed with a lot of things in the show. Um, but it started out well. It had a good start. It had something going for itself, but it kind of just. Those they just doses off around like season three after season three, four and five are kind of bad. I can't believe you would watch more than one episode of this trash fire. Yo, it's not. It's you know, it's like it's a it's a trash fire, right? You see it burning, but you like seeing it burn. The only people That's who like, like trash fires are fucking homeless people. Like, you. <laughs> I'm not a. Yo, dude, you're 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 gonna offend my girlfriend here, man. Too bad. Too me. bad. Yeah. She, she's, my, she, she's my friend on Discord. If she wants to fight, just hit, just ring me up. <laughs> yeah, definitely she would. Anyways, um, don't worry. Actually, she's very open about the criticism and all that, and she likes the show because it had an impact on her during her time. It's like my relationship with My Little Pony. You know, it had an impact <laughs> on my time, but now I just go like, yeah, I used to like. Uh, my old phone, yeah. And then I try to divert the the topic so that we don't need to keep talking about that. By the way, guys, if it's not obvious, I'm a brony. I think I mentioned it in the previous episode, but whatever. <laughs> lame. I'm not fucking lame. You're fucking lame. Anyways, how about you, Kobe? How, how's your week? I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, one thing I've noticed about Kobe, guys, like. Uh, he doesn't really go online, and when you see him online, he's only online like w- between twelve a.m. to four a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and then the rest of the days and like you know the, the our gaming buddies right you know we have a we have a gaming circle and then each time we go in sometimes people say where's kobe and then i have to answer for that like oh he's probably sleeping he's probably working he's probably doing something then why does he play he does play you just don't you, just, you guys are just asleep when he does <laughs> I'm, I'm flattered that they're actually looking for me. I thought they forgot about me. <laughs> they Well, half of the time, they do forget about you. It's oh, like they, they ask where you are when they're taking a break or when they feel like playing TF2 because without that, you're like the main TF2 player among all of <laughs> us. What a title. <laughs> Dude, the, the TF2 main. Oh, God. <laughs> Guys, you hear it? Dude. Kobe's like the best TF2 player among us, man. Oh my god, he's so good, man. <laughs> I don't ever want to go down in history with that title, please. <laughs> the best TF2 player who ever lived. Um, I mean, I'm I mean, far, far, just... far from it. I got destroyed like the last time I played. <laughs> hey, at least you're like the best out of all of us, right? You're. I don't know. You you always arrive at the top frag. In each game, we, I don't it's even. It's not know. hard, man. Like in a server with thirty-two people, you you have <laughs> about you. You have like this <laughs> kid. You have like okay, thirty-two people, but you you're basically thirty bots and like two actual players. <laughs> so that's your mindset, right? Yeah. You you always think you're fighting with bots. I see. I I think I should develop that mindset when I play TF2, right? No, it's I not. Guess. It's not good because well. The thing about bots is that strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. I see what you mean. That's why you always suggest all of us to like, uh, yo, don't don't just go in. You know, you're you're a methodical guy. I mean, you, that's kind of like just hat. common sense. If there's a cart with like sixteen people on it, you don't <laughs> you don't really have uh, a lot to do. <laughs> you just kind of have to pepper them and and not die. Right. Anyways, uh, my week. Thing, Kobe. I, I, I don't like, you know what? Like we asked every episode, we always ask this question. How was your week? Every time I meet my friends, they always ask this question. How was your week? I, I always never know how to answer it. <laughs> no kidding. I don't know where to start. Cause like nothing stands out to me, you know, or rather too many things stand out to me and I don't know what talk about right since it's like during oh fuck my alarm's going off sorry my bad <laughs> anyways yeah i have an alarm somewhere around this time I'll... i don't know why sometimes i miss it and like fall asleep but yeah it's a weird time to have an alarm on <laughs> i know but you know uh, sometimes it's like when i'm playing too late this is like my calling saying, hey, hey, hey. Oh, time to go to sleep. Time to go to sleep, bro. I got and you. I'm I got like, you. Well, that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. But yeah, um, I'm not playing. I'm recording. So this is different. Wow. But yeah. Aggression. Sorry. I, I like emphasizing words by doing like aggressive grunts and uh, sounds. My... Pardon me. Anyways. <laughs> oh, man. I... Your question, I I don't know how to answer that. How was my week? How was my week? 
Uh, are you going to go philosoph- uh, on me? No, no, no. I mean, it was not a bad week. It was not an uneventful week. On the contrary, I was very busy. It was a week. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not, not, you can't really say much. It's, it's ECQ for I don't, us. Uh, oh, well, yeah, you, for you, you guys don't, don't have shit to do. Yeah, it's it's kind of slow. You know, this season's kind of slow. I will say that. My weeks go by really fast. Uh, there's always something to do, man. And when there's nothing to do, I'm really good at keeping myself busy. Oh, why don't you mention this? Right, you said you're like evangelizing people. Ah, shit! Yeah, I'm a, I'm an evangelist. <laughs> is is it isn't isn't that like something eventful to say, dude? You know, is guys, it, come on. It's, it's like a day on the job for me. <laughs> <laughs> See, no one knows that. Like our viewers don't know that. Our listeners, listeners don't know that. Yeah, um, I'm being encouraged to to conduct like a a sort of public ministry. It's part of my redemption arc because I'm trying to find my, go back to my Christianity, to my roots. Yeah, and he's been doing a good job. Uh, Guys, we a, should give a him lot, a, a lot of a lot of people, uh, think that me being religious invalidates a lot of my argumentation. And the thing is, I would not have been where I am if it wasn't for uh, a friend of yours. What do you mean? No. I was going to say it was. It, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for the rigorous theological questioning that came with being a Christian growing up. Right. So it's like uh, it's like a worthy sacrifice. I mean, some of the greatest philosophers and the, and like I've ever spoken to, some of the smartest people I've ever spoken to, and also seemingly ironically, some of the most open-minded people I've ever spoken to are. Right religious ministers religious they're, ministers they're, re, there's something about religious ministers that they always know what to say you know every time priests okay. pastors monks i've spoken to my fair share of them they're like wise wise all-knowing people you know and they're they're, they ed- they're they're educated you know that's the thing they don't they don't beat around the bush like so priests have degrees right yes they do yeah so uh ideally speaking being a priest is maybe like at least maybe 10 or 10 or so years worth 10 or so years worth of like of like education of training um i know that right now there's a priest shortage in the catholic church and right now they're ordaining any any dumb bloke who decides to apply for seminary but wow. I- ideally speaking being a priest is equivalent to getting a master's degree at least in most developed dioceses because some seminaries they don't accept you unless you have a bachelor's degree wow god fucking damn so how yeah. about those people who are trying to be who are like a spine priest but they they're not really chosen so do they just keep grinding for it or something they you can become a theologian theologian or a or a philosopher you know um because the theology is just another kind of philosophy in essence you know right like it's impossible to engage in high level philosophy without throwing in a little theology that you like when you engage in 
phenomenology or uh. really high level metaphysics like like Aquinas or even <laughs> Emmanuel Kant. Yeah, the yeah. god the, the god the god concept will be thrown around a lot in those in those conversations for sure. So like when okay. Bob when Bobby says evangelizing, um that's a really fancy term because all I'm doing is talking to people, honestly. But um I remember uh, uh one of my favorite uh, theologians of all time, uh, this guy named mm. Ro- Bishop Robert Barron. His mm-hmm. name is not Bishop; he is a bishop. <laughs> and uh, he <laughs> he said that he said that the heart of the church is evangelism. I mean, that's not him. He's quoting the Bible, quoting Saint Paul, actually. And whenever I <laughs> whenever I extend the insights of my faith to others, that's just evangelism by default. So I get, I guess, I'm evangelizing. Especially now, since I'm getting more and more involved with a church community in Japan, wow! Yeah, I, I never would have thought. Honestly, this is the last place I would think Jesus would fucking find me. Well, if you think about it, you can you converted back in Japan, so I mean, it's gonna be likely that you, you can you know help out uh, set up a church in Japan as well. well I think. Yeah. I think the former was more improbable than the latter, you know. I guess so. It's 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 really weird. It it was like there there were, like if I was back in the Philippines in high school, this would never have occurred to me at all. Yeah, I, and you know, yeah, it's a, it's a, you could say it's kind of bizarre. <laughs> it's yeah, very it's... bizarre. This is a bizarre adventure I'm living right now. Um, Kobe's bizarre adventure, everyone. That's like a new my, show. My 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 catch it on Netflix. My 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 pastor friend told me that my skill set is very conducive to to the interests of the congregation because it it's one of the rarest skill sets that that people in churches have the ability to have a very high level intellectual discourse with other people to to reach those who are not only unbelievers but are enemies active enemies against the you know religion you know all the atheist apologists and all of that the you it's know it's like you you're acting as a ambassador you know almost <laughs> that's a good way to look at it because i've been there you know i've i've read i've read the the high the atheist literature and I'll be honest, the the new atheist movement, Dawkins, Harris, Dennett, Hitchens, their mm-hmm. arguments are actually super fucking flimsy. <laughs> the oh, a- a- athe- be calling them out. Atheism really let itself go. Well, what happened to all the Sarts and the Nietzsches and the, all the right. fewer box of the past? That's some you know, hard-hitting shit. This fucking new Dawkins crap, this shit, like, it's baby, baby level. The thing about atheists, though, is that they might throw out all of these weird questions that apologists have easy answers for. The thing is, they're stubborn. They're hard to move. You need to be persistent with them. So and, you have to like outwit them in most arguments. And sometimes they're wittier than I am, 
you know, because oh. when they when they when Someone when when they're better than Kobe? when they're backed into a corner, they just pull out all these fucking fallacies out of their asshole, and then they just start strawmanning you. Association is causation. They just, you know, point out this and that. But do you, do you call them out for that or something? I do. But Ooh. the thing is, a lot of the times, a lot of the times, these people are self righteous. That sort of thing. My 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 friend told me that you know the easy the easy way to look at them is to identify a a pathology to to look at a a gap in their not a gap in their knowledge but a gap in their emotion and you build up strike there. them because if you they if, if exactly well not really <laughs> you're making it sound like I'm like dissecting them and <laughs> like trying to damage them but it's like uh personally i'm like one of the hardest fucking people to like move into a into the faith like my 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 foundations in in philosophical discourse were so fucking rock solid and there was no way any sort of intellectualism was going to bring me back into working with the church that was not going to happen so they had to change <laughs> their their mode of attack so instead of speaking with their head, people had to speak with their heart. That's how it reached me personally. Damn. And I was convinced that the heart had no place in my fucking in my fucking discourse because like, oh, this shit's a waste of time. I don't need it. Not to say that I'm hyper rational, but it was like I could justify everything through rigorous activity in my head. But there came a point where no bueno, you know. No bueno. And maybe I could use the same the same effect here, but the thing is, all I all I am is the I'm the I'm the I'm the, the I'm the entry fragger. I'm the initiator. Some someone <laughs> someone else has to take go in for the kill. All all I all I do is breach the walls, you know. Right. All, you know, you make it easier. Yeah. That I I'm I'm not the one who's responsible for, you know. Group, I plant the seeds, but I don't cultivate. I don't cultivate it. I don't grow it. I don't harvest the fruit. All I I don't even plant the seeds. Maybe all I do is till the soil. Yeah, but you know, know my place, maximize my skill set, that sort of thing. Mm, that's good, Kobe. God damn, you're doing so much. And what I'm doing, I'm just binging. <laughs> mm, well, you you can't you can't really do anything, even if you tried anyway. That's the saddest thing. I mean, I could try doing business stuff. That's what my family is doing. But here's the thing. I don't like business. I'm kind of bad at it, honestly. Don't make me do business decisions. I, I'm well, kind of... Business I, is like a multifaceted sort of thing, right? Like, like you know, you kind of just... It can be a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have yeah. to be management specifically. You can do... a like accounting or um marketing uh finance whatever yeah. man oh like i i get ptsd from previous uh classes in high school that just makes me go oh not this again did like you, i can't do numbers I, classes the only business class i took in high school was entrepreneurship yeah that's a joke that class was a joke that is a joke of a class i did not learn anything 
Um, I did a, I, I did get quick a quick buck from that though. <laughs> our project, our final project. Man, that was fucking AIDS. I, I ain't gonna lie. I that that was nothing but added stress. Honestly, uh, like you, the communication you have with your group is like super bad. You no, know, bad. Like a lot of the groups had to fight for for a lot of the business decisions made by the different groups. Mm-hmm. I think my group, we were doing fine, ish. I mean, we had some quarrels, but it was during. It was during, uh, you know, when we were selling stuff already. But so far, we're we're fine. So if I want to go back into that, um, in our project, we were selling onigiri, mm. and <laughs> I remember there's this there was this kid that went on our first and second day of selling. This kid kept going back to our stall, and you know how much onigiri he bought from us. But seven in a span of a lunch break. And we were actually really concerned. You were selling how much for a pop? Hmm? How much for a pop? Uh, I think it was 50. Pesos? 50, seven. Yeah, 50 pesos for one piece and of... This, this guy dead has spent like 450 pesos. <laughs> More or less. On onigiri. That's not, that's not the concern, actually. The concern is not the money. We're not concerned about the money. We're concerned about his health. Seven onigiris in one lunch break, and he ate all of that. I'm just like we, I, me and my 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 our my leader, and we were we were talking. We, we said, "Yo, should we keep selling to this kid? He's he's eating so much." Business ethics. Um, yeah, go go for it. I mean, I know, the, like, the other groups were more unethical. Like my brother got scammed by one of these groups. Oh, yeah. Uh, we we did uh, also a super cheap move by by adding I know uh by adding a big jug of iced tea next to our uh, like on our stall also so not only you can get uh, a piece of onigiri you, for ten pesos only you get a cup of ice iced tea that's not cheap was... that's fine no. I, I'm saying it's cheap because our original business plan was just the onigiri. But <laughs> one of us just suggested, yo, what, why don't we sell some iced tea? And then we, we were like, that's profit right there. And it's good because <laughs> the market share are, are all Southern students and these guys are fucking brainlets. Dude. They don't know how to use their money. <laughs> My brother got scammed. There was a group that was selling like crush gear origami shit for like oh two, the the, two, the ornament guys yeah 200 pesos like a piece it was Why? such a scam and the whole shtick was that oh collect them all and like a happy meal my brother yeah. dead has spent almost like a thousand pesos on that crap and this, this, <laughs> this guy mad at him or something i wasn't no that's his money i was mad that he didn't buy from me <laughs> I, I was come like, on man we're brothers yeah, he didn't want it just because I was there. I was like, "Wow, thanks." <laughs> like, all right, so continue. Yeah, he he, he kind of just like my my group was selling ice candy, and um, it was. He sold out. We sold out. Yeah, at least he sold out as well. Like, some well, groups did not sold out, which was kind of sad. 
it was honestly so bullcrap because because um we were selling we our our shtick was that we were selling gourmet ice candy it was gourmet quote-unquote it was like mango strawberry milo and our, our, powdered flavor the milo one was powder yes but the the thing about the, the straw fruit the, the fruit ones were legit it was wow. it was milk so they were like slightly mint, more expensive it was milk yogurt with fruit bits inside oh damn but no wow. one bought them That's... they like the milo i'm like why the hell would you not buy the strawberry one or the mango one the mango one's delicious oh my god i could it, like, Yo, like, bros, we, we deliver- we're talking about selfish students here. We're talking about boys, young boys. Yeah, they, they fucking... Do you think they buy fruits, man? No, they, they want the fucking chocolate, man. They sold out. The, the Milo one was the cheapest one to make, and we could not match the demand. Everyone loved it. Oh, my God. So on your second day, did you just scrap the fruit thing altogether? We were stubborn because we were really proud of it. The recipe, The recipe was so solid. It was so good. The the teachers love the fruit one, of course, but and we were we were we were kind of like it's like it's such a waste because this is premium crap, you know, like it's so good, and the Milo one, they <laughs> the most uh, the most uh cool and autistic one takes the cake for everyone, right? Sounds it sounds like a big fuck you to to you guys for all that effort. It's like it's like you know it's like when you're a little kid and your parents take you to a nice restaurant. And then instead of ordering like their signature dish, you order like fucking fries and fried chicken, chicken. nuggets. Yeah, that's actually that's actually my brother in a nutshell. My like my parents will take him to a nice restaurant, and he orders like fried chicken and spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> you go to you go to like a like a high end Spanish restaurant, and then he's like, "Where's the chicken and French fries?" Like, you know, this this guy is like 14 years old and his palate is exactly the same as it was when he was like six years old. <laughs> God, I expanded my palate. I, you know, like, there was a time where I just ate salads. You remember that in high school, right? That I, was when I started dieting. Yeah. Because I got really chunky to a certain point. That was my fattest ever in, as a kid. And so I had to do that salad diet thing for one year. Honestly, not one year. <laughs> almost like eight eight months dude that was a lot and the thing is it was so sad because i got so traumatized from eating a salad i couldn't eat salads properly for one and a half years and only got back to eating salads properly after that like each time someone presents a salad to me i was just like no thanks no thanks man (laughs) seriously i was so i was so fucking traumatized by that shit and then the moment they released, uh, the moment I told everyone, all right, I'm not going to do the salads anymore. Literally, I just started eating all the fucking meat I could find. Hot dogs, spam, bacon. Fuck, give me all that shit, man. Spaghetti with meatballs. Thank you very much. Lasagna, Boy. eh. But don't get me wrong. That, that, that taught me a lesson on how to eat healthy. So at least now, when I'm in college... I don't, uh, I don't want to abuse my, my, uh, you know, free range of food that I could pick in Taft, because holy shit, there's so much food there to pick from, cheap, oh, I imagine, tasty, but so unhealthy. The healthy ones are the more expensive ones, which is honestly really sad for the gym rats and the yuppies. Yeah, 
If you can afford a gym membership, you're probably rich as fuck. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like my 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 blockmate, she she can only allot forty pesos for one day for just food. So I I I I I'm just like, how do you how do you budget that forty pesos for one day? She does two things. One, she cooks her own food in the house and not use the money entirely. And then on one of the days, that's that's the only time she buys food. Mm. I'm just like, damn, that's that's fucking genius right there. Or that's like a really good Filipino trick, right? Because Filipinos, uh, a lot of a lot of Filipinos do that. Like they they literally bank it on one day. Boy. Save up the whole week and bank it on one day. That's what I do too. Sometimes, actually, that was also what I do. Uh, that's what I did growing up. Um, uh, there was a time where I only received my allowance on Fridays. And <laughs> do you like uh assort it per day or my you bank it? <laughs> you I bank, bank, it, all bank on, it on Monday. <laughs> my 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 parents were so strict with allowances. And like when I was growing up, my allowance was a hundred pesos a week. God damn! How... Mm. That's why he kept asking money from me, man. <laughs> Holy shit! Well, not well. After a while, it became it became more. Uh, I I had I had to earn my way. It's up. now a whopping two hundred. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> there, there, oh, b- 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 before that, actually, I had to mm. get I I had to turn in my test scores for money before allowance. When I, like when I was in I was in like really early primary elementary school, I had to turn in um letter grades. Back then when we had letter grades in Southage, I had to turn in. You guys, ha- we had letter grades in Southage. When did they change that? Uh like around the time you you came in. Oh, grade four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had to. I uh, know. I had to turn in. So certain letter grades merited X amount of money. And I had to turn it in like a, it was a bounty. Ah, I like that. Honestly, that's a good system your parents made. Huh? It made you like it, it. It promotes like hard work and all that stuff. Like incentive. if you're gonna, <laughs> it, 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 there's incentives. It promotes like, I mean, you can work for this and get this, uh, get this certain amount. But if you work a little more, you get more money. Isn't mm. that you know? There's there's like a uh, room for opportunity, freedom, and all that, but at the same time, it it teaches the kid to like you know, to pace yourself, know know how to get like know how to work, know how to work in general. Honestly, like my parents, they didn't really have that type of uh, strategy on me. They just gave me the money. Honestly, I'm pretty I'm pretty sad. I couldn't learn the the quote-unquote, hard work on a, on an early age. I had to really learn that in high school. Uh, growing up, though, you know, the the result is the reward in itself after a while. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was not a lot that I could spend money on when I was a kid. All I wanted to do was f- fucking buy food and games. So, <laughs> it you know, like... like... <clears throat> V-cuts... Everyone everyone keeps buying V-cuts. I, I never liked V-cuts, man. I was a Piatos really? boy. Piatos and Sun Chips. Wait, wait, which flavor no, Piatos was your favorite? Cheese, bro. Cheese? I think I like the pizza one. It's really good. I don't like it. I mean, Piatos was okay. The one that actually like was toxic and 
was basically crack cocaine to me was Nova Chips. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's not that salty. It's super cracky. And then, I don't know, the more you eat it, it gets better. <laughs> Nova it Chips? It gets better the more you eat it. It's like, it's so bad. And like, I oh my God, you should have seen like how batshit insane I would go when they released uh, Pika. Oh fuck, pick ah! Uh, holy uh, shit! When they yeah, you, you buy a big bag and then oh shit! When you start, you won't be able to stop. Dude, I'm that that was so fucking bad for me, Pika. Holy crap! They 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 sold the big the big uh bags too, right? In our school. Yeah, they did. The they uh, their Pika was originally only big bags. It was never small bags before. It was never small bags. Holy shit! For me, my my. My like number one go to chip. If I had, if I had nothing to eat, would always be roller coaster. Uh, like oh yeah 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 the the rings, the rings, dude. I love eating that shit. Like I don't know, but the thing is, masasawa ka for like I don't know a week if you keep eating that in a certain amount of days. So like day one, you're gonna you're gonna love it. Day two, yay, I got I got more. Day three, okay, I think I need to stop then. The cycle continues on the next week, <laughs> something like that. Like, I don't know. It, it wasn't that big of an addiction for me, but I love eating that shit, and uh, it's ingrained to my memory that that shit's like good shit, top tier, top tier chip right there. <coughs> mm. <coughs> you know what I didn't like? I I don't wanna, I don't wanna be mean to some of our Filipino listeners here, but. What's that ring chip again? That's kind of sweet. That's cheese. Forgot what it, what it was. Cheese girls? No, it's not. No, cheese, cheese girls. girls. I like cheese girls, honestly, but they're too small. Ah, <laughs> uh, cheese. The cheese rings one, right? The cheese rings, yeah, yeah. The, the sweet. Uh, I, I like those. Ish cheese rings. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be. I don't want to be like a betrayer of uh, of of our Filipino culture, but I never like those. When someone offers that to me, I, I really say no thanks. It's, even as a kid who's who's always fucking hungry, I, I I say no to that shit. I hate that shit. I don't know why. Damn. Yo, remember that time when they sold so much chicharron? That plasticky chicharron thing? Oh, dude, the chicharron was so garbage and sausage, the holy crap. Yeah, and I don't know why everyone just kept buying that. Like, <laughs> There's not one lunchtime you don't see five people buying that, and then because and then they buy it with the vinegar. Holy shit! So it starts smelling super awesome in the classroom. <laughs> you, I, smell I, like I, arm, <laughs> you smell armpits when you go in. I'm just like, ah, I bet it's because they're conyo and chicharron is not necessarily a food that conyo people would be eating a lot of. Yeah, they're they're too busy eating, you know, ravioli, linguine, or lasagna, or whatever. Rich. Pesto, pesto, pasta. Yeah, dude, the 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 fucking Hillsborough kids who brought pesto pasta to school. I'm like, holy crap, what the fuck? Like, dude, I never, you know, the first time I eaten pesto pasta was me asking from someone in school. Yo, in same. <laughs> same, 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 same. <laughs> fr- I was I, I was like, what the fuck is that? Why is it green and <laughs> green? Why is it green, dude? <laughs> And then, and then my, I forgot who, who I asked, but he says, 
this is pesto pasta. What the fuck is pesto pasta? And then he let me try it. Then I was like, yo, man, that's so good. <laughs> let me in that shit. Then I asked my parents when I got home, yo, can can we make pesto pasta? Then they said, it's kind of expensive. Right. I did not know that. <laughs> Thanks. Fucking, Goddamn. Fucking Hillsborough kids. Fucking alabangers, man. Holy crap. <laughs> alabangers, dude. We should uh get started. <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been in a tangent for like thirty minutes. It's a fun tangent. Fun tangent. T- t- tell yes. the audience, <laughs> tell the audience who we're going to discuss today. Yeah. All right. So today, Kobe, actually, we primed this before we we we're we're gonna start the podcast, and we're today we're gonna talk about <clears throat> drum roll, please, Martin. Correct. What do you know about God. him? Okay, so the only prominent thing that I really know about him, he looks like old Hitler. Mm-hmm. That's a good <laughs> his, his mustache. His mustache makes him look like Hitler. I swear. Like he looks like if Hitler retired from all that shit and then it's like, yo, you know what? I'm turning on a new leaf or something. It's really but, yeah. not a good look, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, one thing I know about Heidegger, he's uh, he's German, um, very, very German, very very German. If I'm not mistaken, he supports the Nazi movement. Yes, no? he is an outspoken so, member, hard carrying member of the of the hard carry of the Nazis, the great Nazi uh, party. Be- Be- he's also one of the he- heaviest philosophers out there. So yeah, heavy he's, he's that thick. you just drop your balls the he's first dense. few pages you read him. Yeah, he is very dense. I've read. I, I have a copy of Being in Time with me in Japan and I never finished it. That's yeah, which it's, that's his masterpiece work, right? Being the, in yeah, time. the Magnum Opus Being in Time. It's 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 tough. <laughs> is that his first book? Being in Time. Is it his first? I'm not sure, but that's his most famous. It's nineteen twenty seven and all the other books that are listed here are like older. Hold on. Let me scroll through all. Ah, 1910. There's a 1910. Jesama Tsugabe. I don't know what that is. But the being in time was... It's it's something. (laughs) How could you say it was a masterful book made by him, huh? We'll get to that. Because you can pretty much forget about all the other books he's written. At least when you <laughs> at least when you talk about his philosophy, all, he all, all, wrote so many books. Holy yeah, shit! This guy was out there. He he had a lot of he had a lot to say. He collaborated with a lot of people too. Um, he he's he's known to have been the protege of Edmund Husserl, the father of phenomenology and also uh, one of the most famous mathematicians in history. Phenomenology. Phenomenology. Uh. He he was the, he's the ex boyfriend of Hannah Arendt. Of who? <laughs> Hannah Arendt, one of the uh, Arendt, we uh, co- yeah. we covered her once upon a time in Strikusakurat. Actually, um, we you weren't there. It was Joby Lang. Uh, she's oh, one. So of, that's really old then. She's one of the most yeah. She's one of the most popular, one of the most important of uh, political thinkers of the twentieth century. Ah, okay. And he also was a friend and collaborator with. Someone you might know, uh, Werner Heisenberg. Werner Heisenberg. Ah, Heisenberg. Okay. Wow. Okay. 
that's uh that's pretty legit. Werner Karhazenberg. Yeah, I I heard this guy. Yeah, he's um, he's the one who knocks. He's not not that one. I mean, the Heisenberg and the Breaking Bad show was based on Werner Heisenberg. Uh he's a physicist. He's also the the one of the key pioneers of uh <clears throat> quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics is uh, is very heavy on chem too. I must mm. I must I must say, uh, it's in our field of physical chem, which is physics and chem. But if you want to go deep into quantum mechanics, you can go to its philosophy philosophy side. Um, but I understood a lot of it through its uh, chemistry, you know, chemistry branch and a bit of its physics branch. But I, I I still need to read more on that in my you know in my adventures in Cam. <laughs> Anyways, so Martin Heidegger, right? Very important motherfucker. He's the guy who coined the term existentialism. No fucking way. Him? He's not the father. He coined the term. He he was the one who solidified it as a tradition of philosophical thought. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, you could say he, he's the one who also uh, pioneered the phenomenology, but starts the one that kickstarted it, right? Mm, yeah, I guess so. That's that's a good way to look at it. Yes, Sartre popularized it. Heidegger started it. Husserl started it. Heidegger perfected it. Then oh. Sartre popularized it. Ah, okay. God damn, so many names. You know, I know, sometimes I, 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 really get, I really get lost all the names we've established in our whole uh, podcast journey. Yeah, philosophy names. <laughs> yeah, that's something that, you know, you, oh, you have to get used to it. So Heidegger is very important. He was born in Germany, yes? Uh, yes. Growing up, he was a really smart kid and he was very much interested in theology. He was uh aspiring theologian for a long time and he actually wanted to be a priest at one point. Wow. And then how did he arrive to <laughs> you know he met Edmund uh, Husserl, that's what happened. <laughs> uh so there there'll always be that one person that changes your life, right? Yeah. Well uh that doesn't mean he became an atheist. Or rather he was an atheist. But his ideas are discussed a lot in theology, in theology, like high level theology, and also in no anthropo- anthropology. Uh, okay. There, there was a story one time where uh, his mom was so was so um, was, was so, so, so like disconcerned, you know, I not disconcerned, but like was so worried that my son lost his faith. How can I get them back? And and all, and she was her mom. His mom was very, very, very religious. And while his mom was on, was on. <laughs> this is fucking funny. He's kind of an asshole. Okay, okay. His mom, his mom was on her deathbed. She was about to die, and she said that all I want in my la- for my last will, all I want is for my son to go back to the faith, to believe again. <laughs> I bet he said no. <laughs> what he did was he sent her a copy of Being in Time. <laughs> <laughs> Happy deathbed, mom. 
God, what a big joke. I love it. What a fucking... Dude. He's such an asshole, this guy. He's not enough. He's Dude, a Nazi. Heidegger, Heidegger is like top-level meme right there, you know? Top-level fucking meme. It's not enough. He's a Nazi. And here's the thing. He... His relationship with Hannah Arendt... It, yeah. it was abusive. Huh? It was an abusive so, relationship. You know why? wife beater? Worse. What is Heidegger? It's a Nazi. What do you mean? What is right? And what is Hannah Arendt? Mm. Is she mm. Jewish? Yes, she, she, she's Jewish. She's very Jewish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh God, God, dude, holy shit! So he was a piece of shit his entire life. Yeah, this guy, entire. this guy's a fucking asshole. The thing is, this guy's such an asshole, but his philosophy is so good. It, it, you know, <laughs> kind of balances out. You know, hate, hate the sin, not the sinner. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I not, not really hate the sin, not the sinner. It's like, love, love what he did, not the guy though. He can, he can really hate the guy. Yeah, you know, Heidegger, man. Mm, so. I think you're bad. No, the, so uh, he was never arrested or charged with an, or held responsible for any of his crimes. He he jumped ship before it was all over. Like right right when like when he saw Germany's defeat, he was like, oh, "I'm sorry." And then he went with, he went out scot scot free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, bros. My bad, my bad. There was another guy, uh another Nazi philosopher, uh we talked mm-hmm. about in the show Carl Schmidt. Carl Schmidt, Carl, is a Schmidt. Lo- Carl Schmidt is a lawyer. Uh, Renzo was the one we I discussed that you weren't there. Uh, Carl okay. Schmidt was a lawyer, and Carl Schmidt did not apologize, but he for admi- being a Nazi, he admitted he was wrong. Uh, Heidegger did not admit he was wrong; he just jumped ship because he was a coward. Ooh, coward! Wow, so he really. Is- a scum. <laughs> Heidegger is a, a smart fucking, scum. Heidegger is a scumbag. So, yeah. So, but Heidegger is unfortunately one of the most important philosophers of 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 all time. Even though he's a piece of sh- of human trash, and I mean, someone who had uh, coined the term existentialism, I think he, he has a lot of bearing, man. Well, he he he. I don't said, know, man. I don't he, know. He said that all all philosophy is done in relation to existence that's the ultimate question uh and i'm going to explain what what he meant by this so i want to tell so philosophies in relate uh the what philosophy all philosophy is done in relation to existence in relation to existence okay that is the big question it's so, a question. Wow. Uh, I'll, I'll summarize what his theory states. Uh, so, okay. Heidegger said that all, all of philosophy, every single right. philosophical quandary in the world, ever, ever, of all time, all of it, is mm. innately tied into the concept of being. What does it mean to be? To exist. Oh, no. Not this again. <laughs> to be or not to be. That is the question, mm-hmm. right? So Heidegger says, what 
is the one thing in our given reality that can best codify this notion of being. Mm. What is it? Humans. Oh. Hence, phenomenology. Phenomenology is the philosophy that deals with the structures of experience, how we interpret the world around us. It's not empirical in the sense that it's related only to the five senses. You can think of it as a marrying of rationalism, empiricism with a sprinkling of transcendentalism in the phenomenology. God damn. Um, a lot of isms. That alone sounds so like heavy already. God damn. I, and I, I don't, I'll explain. I don't, don't even worry. know how, how deep. I don't know how deep we're going to go into this. I'll explain. I'll explain. So right. l- l- listen to this. Listen to this. All right. So like, I'm not sure. <laughs> if you, I'm not sure if you know the story. Mm. Um, it's something that they relate to Heidegger quite quite a lot. Um, oh, what is it? It's the it's the the, 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 the did I ever tell you the tragedy of Plato the retard? <laughs> no. What is it? It's I am I I. I I thought so. It's not a story. G ethics will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, my DLC fans would uh, would love that joke. Anyways, so one day Plato was with with his gang in his school, and they right. were they were discussing the question, "What is a human being?" Mm-hmm. And they were thinking, 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 thinking. And one of them came up with the answer, a human being is a featherless biped. Oh God, not that shit again. Uh, Yes, you know. And then there was this homeless guy chilling outside. (laughs) 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 Dio. It's Dio, dude. It's Dio. Dio. Yes, it's Diogenes. Diogenes (laughs) is in his own right a great philosopher. He's a proponent of a school of philosophy called cynicism. And cynicism. cynicism basically means the less you have, the happier you are. Uh, so Diogenes, uh, he's just homeless. He hears the argument and then he's like, what the hell? So what Diogenes <laughs> does is he, he, he... Are you sure? He's like, are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah. He steals a chicken, removes all of its feathers, goes into Plato's Academy and says, behold, a human being... And everyone was like, hey, what the fuck? And then what? the thing is, <laughs> shink, shink, shink. the thing is, given their definition, they're was, both right. He was right. Diogenes was right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, they kicked out Diogenes. <laughs> uh, they, 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 he, they, cleaned, Gee, I wonder they, why <laughs> they, 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 they cleaned up the, the shit trail he left behind. And and what they did was they refined it and changed their definition. Right. They they changed it to a featherless biped with broad nails. So broad what? Broad nails. Broad nails. Yeah. Huh. Because chickens ah, have chickens have talents. talents. Yeah. Right. So the whole point, the whole point of the story. Is that it shows that even as far as history goes, mm-hmm. 
philosophers have never been able to agree on an answer. And the thing is, it's because what they are trying to do is they're trying to define something that's abstract. They're given something that is abstract, like what is a human, and they they are they have to find a way to give it a description that makes sense. So that's that's easy. That this is where it's that that that's, so far it's easy, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it like a case where it is? This is considered fact unless proven wrong. In like that? yeah, you can say it's like that. But the whole point is that the whole goal of defining something is to capture as much of its essence as possible. So when, uh, so when, when, I, when I, I'm I'm willing to bet this episode's uh, concerned a lot on the definition of uh, essence, right? Yeah, kind of. That this is what the spread starts, so you can already kind of like pick it up. Yeah, but yeah, right. <clears throat> so, how do you define something and capture as much of its essence as you can, as you possibly can? That's the well, that's the question that that uh, phenomenology tries to ask, I guess. So, mm-hmm. so Martin Heidegger said that instead of looking for a way to define the abstract, you shouldn't do that because you are adopting a sort of approach of looking at what it means to be human from an outside perspective. He said that how you can define being should be examining yourself from an inside perspective so you ask yourself what is being human or what is human yeah so okay how do you do that so when you look at yourself about that oh human being is uh he's a he, he you know more 21st century oh he, 21st century definition of a human being oh he's a, a hairless ape uh, you know walking around doing shit heidegger said that is correct but it is not complete you can you are you are identifying human as an entity that exists but an entity that isn't being necessarily follow exists but not being because it doesn't have you're not explaining its essence okay mm, so i'm following so he heidegger says if you want if you want to know what it's what it is to be a human from the inside you simply need to look at the world around you life itself human life from within life gets human life from within life is that why it's focused on phenomena I can't pronounce it. Right. Phenomenology? Yes, exactly. That's the segue. So enter Edmund Husserl and his phenomenological theory. We should do an episode on Husserl entirely separate from this one, but to, right. to, 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 to summarize, Husserl said that phenomenology, it involves looking at phenomena in the world around you, hence the name, which is basically how things appear empirically. Not necessarily empirically, my bad. But 
you analyze how things are through experiential conditions through experiencing things right but phenomenology cannot answer what is a human being it can only answer what is it like to be a human being so it's incomplete because it's too empirical it's too, it's yeah. too, it's too it's too uh rigid so heidegger has a quote the question of existence never gets straightened out except through existing itself wait what it never gets straightened out except for existing i'll, itself. Par- I'll paraphrase you cannot answer the question of existence except through the act of existing by itself so your ans the answer is basically mm. now or uh, hmm. existing okay. the, the verb the verb existing okay you 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 cannot answer what it's like to run by describing the act of running yeah you got you got to experience it that's how you understand the essence of running by running that's how you understand the essence of sleeping by sleeping that's how you understand the essence of you know existing and so on and so on (laughs) (laughs) sorry and so on and so on zizek my friend boy so Any questions so far? No, no, no. I, I'm picking up. At least. At okay. Least. So. This idea that Heidegger is doing of analyzing the nature of being is a branch of philosophy called ontology. 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 Okay. Not ontology. Ontology. What is ontology? It's the philosophical, it's the branch of philosophy that answers, that, that tackles the question of what does it mean to be? What is What does being mean? The nature of what being. What is being? Yeah. The nature of being. God oh, damn, this is pretty deep. <laughs> the, uh, question, the question, uh, uh, I, I think I got a drip on my nose, joking. <laughs> questions of the ontological nature are things like, well, what 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 does it mean to say something exists? What does exist? What is it like to exist? Stuff like that. So yeah, that, that's pretty heavy shit, man. Like you can make a case that it's a it's a branch of metaphysics. Ah, oh, okay. So let's talk real quick about what Heidegger actually says. So we we so far we've only laid out the question he's interested in answering. So now let's tackle being his main, and, no, his main and, hypothesis. Yes, <laughs> being and time. Then and then. Being and time. So time has something to do with this. I like that. That's why you told me it revolves around quantum mechanics. Well, yeah, there's a, a you, you, you can draw a relation. But uh, we can look at it this way. So. Heidegger says that, th- historically speaking, most philosophers have 
failed to answer big ontological questions because their approaches huh. are incomplete. They're too shallow, too stupid, too lame, so on and so on. If, if you want to know what it means to exist or to say something exists, you need to look at from the perspective of what that thing is in question. If you want to know whether a human exists, for example, which is the only thing we can be sure of, we need to look at existence from the human perspective. That's the only way we can capture the essence of existence in human in human terms it's like it's like those people making documentaries by actually engaging in the communities they're documenting something like that mm. it's like like you mean anthropology like to, that, that, that's called yeah, yeah. And anthropology yeah yeah it's like uh this is actual field research where the researchers actually immerse themselves into a culture their way of the uh way of life uh eating and all that just to know or have an idea on the way they think so yeah goes along the lines with what you're saying mm. so uh, heidegger says that one of the things that makes humans stand out as the only ones who can answer the question about being is that we're the only ones who make an issue out of being we're the only ones who give a shit in other words Cats, dogs, lions, yeah. frogs. They don't give a shit. They just they just exist. Yeah, you know, you know just... like mushrooms, water bears. <laughs> they just they're just kind water of... bears. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Water bears. What... <laughs> God damn it. They don't they don't think about existing. They just do it. They just Yeah. The human so... being is the only being the... that thinks about its existence. They, that's where the hmm emoji, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm eating. What are you eating? What am I eating? Friend Bakery. Use a sandwich right about now. Friend I Bakery. It's called Friend Bakery. They're, they're, they're chocolate cookies. Ah, okay. Oh, I'm out of, I'm out of, I'm out of cookies. Goodbye, Friend Bakery. Okay, let me set up real quick. All right, so. Okay. So the thing is, when Heidegger asks what being is, he's not looking at being as an abstract thing, which is where he differs from the people who tried to answer what being was in the past, like Plato. He, he said that being is not abstract because it is connected to come on connected to what yes hmm it's connected to being is connected to what is being and time about don't um, don't overthink it about being in time. He <laughs> <laughs> told me not to overthink. It's about being. Exactly. Time. That's the what. Being. Oh is, wait, really? Yes, being is connected to time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. 
So wait, so since it's being if being is connected to time, that that does it mean like it's it talks about experience and shit? Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Yes, it does, sir. That is correct. So hmm. So what does he mean when he says being and time are related? Right. It's okay. the it's the idea that we are temporal experience. There it's the idea that there is an end to our ability to experience being as a phenomena. Ah, it's okay. not it's not forever ever. The best part of it is that it ends. Wow, oh, shit. <laughs> and and like you know, to make matters worse, you don't you don't even want to be. You just you just are. You know, you're not no you no one no one asked to be born. They're just born. They're just kind right. of thrown out there into the wilderness to to fend for themselves, the existential wilderness. So. So here's the thing. Here's the here's where it gets dodgy. So the fact that you are born means your existence starts somewhere. It has a, a starting point. Gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Then there's a finish line. I'm assuming. Mm, well. That's not important yet, but yes, your existence can be condensed in a a starting point and an ending point. Okay. So, the fact that you exist means that there needs to be something out there that hosts your existence. It's something that has existed before you. Wait, what? The, the, when you're born into a world that has existed yeah. before you. And, uh-huh. and you are born into a certain historical time with its own, you know, set of v- normative values and ways to interpret the world. And you make sense of this world through living life. That is how you make sense of the reality around you, through interacting with that. That's how your existence makes sense of other existences, by interacting with what that other existence has provided you. See? That's right. That's what gives it its experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So I'm avoiding to use the word of existence. Of existence, the no, phrase or word? No, now? the word because well, look at it this way. Uh I'm trying to fucking talk about think about how to talk about this so so Heidegger says that through interacting through our existence interacting with an exterior existence we 
sort of define our being through that. So we're basing our existence through everything around us. So do you relative do, so, to everything around us. So there, so let's let's look at it this way. So <laughs> there's a I'm gonna introduce you to the only piece of jargon you're gonna need to understand if you want to know the the, the crux of Heidegger's philosophy. Okay. Heidegger has a thing called Dasein. 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 You've probably heard this word before. Uh, Dasein is. Uh, German compound word it means it's a compound word of da which means there and sign to be which is to be and it, and how I interpret Dasein is that Dasein is the existence that is independent of human experience it is the existence that you cannot come to know of because you can only really rationalize the human dimension of existence an easy way to look at it oh, is, is Ion, Ion, you, you feeling that? Are you feeling it now? Yeah, I'm feeling the heaviness now. Oh, shit. <laughs> da, da, Dasein refers to, think of Dasein as. It, yeah, honestly, you, like, by the concept you're explaining it to me, it makes you really feel that, shit, we think we know everything, but we don't. Yeah. Something like that. It's a lot like Immanuel Kant's idea of things in themselves. Mm-hmm. Or did G ethics not teach you that? Uh, I think yeah, G ethics taught me that. It's similar. Similar, similar. But instead of objects, Heidegger said it's entire phenomena that you cannot come to know of. It's it's like. It's, it's like what? How do I explain this? This is so hard, actually. <laughs> think of Take it. Your time, man. Mm. Think of. Hmm. Yeah, design is the form of existence that you can understand as a human. My uh-huh. bad. I said it was the existence that is outside humanity. That's not what I meant to say. I meant it's the existence. Whoops. Yeah, that's a whoopsie. Whoops. That we un- that we understand it's, ourselves. It's the opposite. For example, when you understand existence, you can only understand existence through the lens of your own experience. Interpretation. Yeah. Your own rationalization. That's yours and yours alone. That is Dasein. Oh, so what's what's the one you were talking about? That's considerably the inverse of Dasein. That's just existence. Sorry. <laughs> huh. Okay. Da- Dasein is. So you could could you make a case that uh, experience is unique to everyone else or? Their definition, understanding of experience is def- is different from everyone else. Yeah. It's kind subjective. of like... It's almost subjective. Almost subjective. Because there's a commonality. Ah, okay. So uh, it's subjective Remember, nature, remember, remember Rolome, okay. we talked about this phenomenon called existential isolation. 
it's it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the idea that you can only really understand your existence, your interpretation of things. Uh-huh. You can never understand what it's like to be in my interpretation of things or someone else's interpretation of things. You would not know what Renzo would think of something. You can only have interpretations of what you think Renzo will think of something. That's existential isolation. It's the idea that you can only understand yourself fully and that no one will be able to understand you fully. Yeah. I remember that episode's all about being lonely. <laughs> lonely. Dasein is something like, like that. It's a loneliness. So... You live in this existence insofar that it will end. Even insofar, all right. So you so, only live to die. <laughs> te- tempo- there's a there's a there's a very distinct temporality, right? Yeah. Not you live you, to die. You only understand your existence within the boundaries of birth and death. That is the extent of your Dasein. That's it. It's a limitation. Yeah. That's that's So all. you could say you can't you couldn't you can't really get the answer Talaga. Or if you're trying to look for the answer, you can never will because your uh born and death is what holds you back from knowing. Hmm. It's like right. it's like you cannot know at all. There will everything you can come to know as part of your design occurs in between your birth and your death. Before that and after that is not something you can ever 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 come to know. Which is big sad, honestly. <laughs> so Heidegger doesn't look at death as death. Death in the outsider point of view is this mm. idea that you you kind of just your 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 body functions cease, you rot, you die. But death in mm. a design point of view, what is that? He calls it the outermost horizon of our being. In the sense that it's the it's the farthest you can go of your being, because beyond that horizon, you no longer are being. Uh, <laughs> uh, brain cells cooperate with me. I'm I'm absor- I'm absorbing. Don't worry, I still got this. But I, I think I, I think my my left brain's already dying on me. Wait, <clears throat> all right, it's, it's, it's up and running. So, hello, Kobe. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> I was like, did I crash or is Kobe just so spacing out? Are, are you following? Th- th- are this you following to- this so topic far? is so heavy. Even you're spacing out. Holy shit! I'm I'm trying to. Well, it's not that I don't get it. I. Don't it's get hard it. To in- <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I don't get it. I really don't. It's, I mean, I, it's, it's I, I more, understand. It's, like, it's more of I'm trying to find a way to communicate this. Co- yeah, convey simply. It's... You know, 
I'm, I mean, you, do you really have to convey it simply, or, or otherwise, I really can't understand shit. Because Heidegger has so much jargon in his work, and, and like the only really important term he know is Dasein. Because the way Heidegger uses jargon, it's like a lot. It's a lot like variables in math. You 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 make you you make x equate to a certain value. So right. that 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 design is the only. I'm trying to use as little jargon as possible. Design is there's a dichotomy of existence, and that design is reflective of the human existence, or rather the personal existence. But not the entirety of existence itself. Mm. Okay. I see, so, I see. It's like limits, you know? Whoops. I don't want to get into that. That's calculus. So now let's let's look at some office ethics. We we've office? covered we've, we've ethics. Uh, ethics. We we've covered some of Heidegger's ontology, which is strange. <laughs> but now let's talk about his ethics. So Heidegger says that there is a way to live authentically and inauthentically. And, authentically and, 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 and it's all done in relation to you to Dasein. Jesus Christ. So so uh, <laughs> uh it's always Dasein. So for example, when you live life insofar that you forget about your temporality, mm. you kind of forget that you, your existence is limited. You kind of tunnel vision, so to speak, you know? And you only see your life, your Dasein, within the boundaries of your life. Lifespan. Not, not your lifespan. Within the boundaries of your tunnel vision. You forget the entirety, the whole dimension of your existence. For example, you are born, you die, and everything and everything that happens in between. Let's say you are living in the present. It's let's say you are the present. The mm-hmm. past has happened, mm-hmm. and then the, the the future is like uncertain. Uncertain. But you know that it will end. And you know that you've had a beginning. Whatever happens in this linear space is your design. And you should act in a way that takes into consideration the fact that there is a beginning and there is an end. When you immerse yourself in an activity and you forget about the temporality of your life, you live inauthentically according to Heidegger so if you live like if so if you don't live like YOLO then you're not really living authentically well rather he wants you to live YOLO actually yeah. the, the, the YOLO mindset is a mindset that acknowledges the fact that you will die it acknowledges the fact that death is the penultimate possibility of your existence it's mm-hmm. it acknowledges the fact that when you are aware of the fact that your life will end you have a deeper understanding of the extent 
of your existence, of your Dasein. You see? I, I, I got it. I got it. Right. Goddamn. No, so, that was a lot. That's pretty, that's pretty heavy, man. So, he said that we, for example, can look at reference to other human beings that when a friend of yours dies, for example, mm. you tend to think that whatever you're doing becomes meaningless and that you see that because there is an end there is no point in carrying on a certain course of action and you have an existential crisis so to speak but you sort of reorient yourself to live in so far that you prepare for that death right yeah in short yolo <laughs> you live in consideration of that death so yep so it's like maximizing everything you have mm -hmm. something like that all right so he said that all human beings are beings towards death and human beings have the privilege of being the only organisms in the whole world that can, <laughs> that can, that can recognize this reality. We understand, this is, we're the only ones who can understand that there is an end to our lives. In other words, when you live inauthentically, you're living like an animal. Animals do not know they are going to die. They live, right. they, they are so immersed by their instinctual activity that It's like they, their, their brains are in or, or airplane mode. <laughs> Kinda. They, they, they forget that they're going to die. When you understand that you are going to die, you reorient your priorities to take that into consideration. So you live like a human and not like an animal. Because we, we have to maximize that, that privilege of humanity, that we are aware of the temporality of our existence. Mm -hmm. oh, that's uh oh i mean that was simple to understand but it hits you man i Holy i shit. i think i think i i i mean that's that's about it i think i did i did my darndest trying to trying to trying to make this as simple as i uh, could well you did a very good job. I kind of understand how to. I think this is honestly my favorite. You said uh, that. You said that about start. You said that about Kamu. Which one's your favorite? Okay, no, like this is my favorite out of all of them now. Like, because one, I really understand this, and two, it it, it, it hits where it needs to hit. You know, mm. the under like the understanding and that uh, the limitations of your life, but. The thing is, despite the limitation, <clears throat> you you maximize that certain limitation. Whatever life you have, 
don't just live it just just like how it is in a normal day. Live like you know it's gonna end. Live like you know you have something to do. Work for it, you know? Like it's like treating death uh something sacred. Mm. Nothing to be feared and nothing to just expect. I mean you will expect it, but you can do other things before that, you know? It promotes like adventure. I don't know. It it, ha- it has like a hopeful tone, but also very existential at the same time. So Heidegger had really interesting ideas about how we can convey this message of the of the totality of our existence. He said that language is not a, a suitable faculty to do that. Why? Why not? It, it's limited. You need to uh... he, he, you need to look for something called a deeper language. So you look into the arts. Poetry, painting, music, that sort of thing. I think that's why I I kind I kind of like uh, Heidegger because he's a very artistic guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a Nazi, but yes, <laughs> he's a Nazi. God damn, I forgot that I dismissed that fact that he was a Nazi. But you know, I like his work. You you can you Not can to- you can totally see how his philosophy may may have influenced German ideology at the time. That the Nazi ideology is a design of the German Empire, a collective, right. a collective design of the Aryan will. It's like it's very, I don't know. It's like it it shows to be very hopeful for everyone, but you know, but if you really look at it, it's very sinister. But it's like, uh, it, it promotes like everyone in that mindset to like. Hey, we're doing like no matter what we're doing, we know that it's uh building up to be something great until our death, right? Yeah. So it has a cultist vibe. He not gonna lie. He inspired a lot the um he inspired a lot the e- ecological movements of the twenty first century. The or in eco ecological philosophers in that they they interpret the idea of living authentically as well i would say that he inspired three made three kinds of people he ins- he, he inspired poets and artists a lot he inspired existentialists obviously and he inspired mm-hmm. uh, ecological movements and thinkers and that a lot of people would interpret living authentically as living for others others or living for the environment living for the the world outside the the dasein okay right because yeah the dasein is living for the world so it's that means you it it translates also living for others as well Mm. does heidegger like uh talk about like legacy or anything or not I'm not yet Legacy, there. Legacy, impact. When, um, I'm not yet there. Well, look look at it this way. It's like, think of Dasein as a way of life. And the, the, each person's Dasein is different from another person's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unique. Think of Dasein as a personal phenomenology. Personal interpretation of phenomena. It's unique. And Legacy, you cannot guarantee your Legacy. That's the thing. You can never, ever, ever truly guarantee your legacy. 
you can only you can only build in in so far that you gamble that it will occur you know because understand you are you are a temporal being and what happens beyond death what happens beyond the ultimate horizon won't matter it's not that it won't matter necessarily but it's that you cannot know it it's beyond your knowledge mm. you see you know, I th- I think I can see why people would use his philosophy in a theologian perspective. Mm. Like they could you they could use that information to talk about the afterlife, right? Yeah, like a a a lot of people, a lot of inter- people who read his work, a lot of ideas about what living authentically means is to not live in respect to your life but to rather live in respect to the existence you are predicated upon live for the sake of the world or live for the sake of your of a of a a spirit a spirit yeah loved one or 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 a spirituality that extends from you like like Uh, like like for example you can see how a christian would interpret living authentically knowing that a christian if a christian heideggerian uh, understands that he will die he will live authentically by investing much of his attention to ensuring the well-being of his environment his church yes or his or his afterlife the the theological branch that deals with the afterlife is called eschatology Eschatology. <laughs> From the root, I don't, I don't, I, what's the root of the eschatology? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to find the root, actually. Root word. I'll look it up. It's from. It comes from. Eskatos. Eskatos. Eskatos is Greek for last. And Damn, so I like that. Es- eschatology literally means the study of the last. Or the end. Yeah, the end. Ontolo- <laughs> ontology comes from ontos. Uh, that is being. <laughs> really? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Ah, you'd be surprised. No one. I mean, I'm looking at my audience, and I'm probably sure. I'm pretty sure none of them know. All right. Well, maybe because we also came from a school that teaches Latin, so uh, it, it it'll be comical f- for for us to say, "Oh, ontos." Ontos. Uh, ontos, to... ontos is Greek. Ah, no, because. Remember our what uh our oh yeah ontos is Latin also I forgot no and also the right? the yeah. study the study of Latin also highlights you know oh Greek that Greek words right mm-hmm. like ah remember uh I forgot his name our, our prof prof our teacher. The one after our principal, the philosopher teacher. 
Forgot him. Escasa? Escasa, yeah. Remember he, he learned Greek first? Oh, I didn't know He learned that. Greek as he learned Latin. Sir, I did not know that. Yeah, I remember he told told us that. Like when he was studying uh when he tried to study Greek, uh when he tried to study Latin, he also studied Greek first. Mm. Because uh, Latin is, is is heavily rooted from Greek. Anyways. Ah, oh, man. So Heidegger was actually inspired a lot by Buddhism. Huh? No yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not so much Christian theology, actually. It's more despite the fact you said that a lot of you know, yeah, uh, Christian teachings or uh, Christian ongoers, you know, like using his teachings. Well, the ones that know how to, it's like it's major, it's major high level, major high level, uh, high level Christian theology kind of thing, right. But, I mean, he did actually get inspired by a very important Christian philosopher. Uh, a, a fella named Rene Descartes. Rene Descartes. I think, oh. therefore, I am. Yeah. That, 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 that is a very Heideggerian sentence. And he it got inspired by Descartes insofar that he contradicted Descartes. Who Descartes said that the very fact the Cartesian Cartesian uh, existentialism or mm-hmm. well, the thing, but Cartesian philosophy dictates that we cannot be sure. It's called it's also called solipsism. Uh, we cannot be sure of anything's existence. We can only be sure that we exist because we think. And Heidegger said, "Nah, fam." It's the it's the other way around, boy. God damn. I like that. It's like great philosophers come from like a a pre existing uh philosopher that that they will just dispute whatever that pre existing author believed in. And the thing is both can make sense at the same time. Which I like. And philosophy's great. <laughs> So just just to give you an idea of how complicated Heidegger is, there is a page in Wikipedia called Heideggerian Terminology. Heideggerian Terminology? It's a list. It's a dictionary of all the terms he uses. Uh, there are 20, there, I'm there, assuming there are 20, he, he, spins around, he spins around words and definitions. There that, are... To this, I know. There are... Well, no. These are all words he introduced introduced itself talaga. these are these are there are 25 entries Fuck. he talks about for example uh aletheia aletheia is a greek word but aletheia according to heidegger is the idea of how things disclose themselves in relation to Dasein. Huh? How things? 
reveal themselves, how things appear in relation to Dasein. And then there's oh. there's also in der Weltsein, which is called which is his terminology that refers to everything outside of Dasein, I suppose. There's also Sein zum Tod, 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 being toward death. It's the it's the idea of being aware of our temporality, the state of being aware of our temporality. There's also there's I, also I, I think we can stop. <laughs> That's a lot. Holy shit! Yes, <laughs> there's a lot. Oh god damn. You, you could say Heidegger's kinda of insane. Yeah, you know, I I'll be honest with you, I'm actually reading from notes that I pre prepared. Normally and when no, then... no, normally when we do these episodes I can read straight from the text and just talk as I go. But for yeah. for this guy I had to like You really have to make notes. I had to filter this out like Banat, yeah. Shit was, God damn. shit was rough. I hear it's hard, man. Holy shit. Ah, this guy. Oh, I wonder if Renzo would survive in this. <laughs> Renzo is smart. Oh, this... Maybe he would. Maybe on a good day, he'd really survive. Good thing I'm on a good day. If I if I was in a in a not so good day, oh, I'd probably be lost already. I I was trying. I I actually brought up Heidegger earlier when I was evangelizing. <laughs> My my friend my my friend asked the question of, uh, how can we know God exists? It classic cl- cl- classic atheist question. How uh, how how or or why 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 does God have to exist? Mm-hmm. And there, I gave him a lot of answers for it. Ooh, I bet one of the answers like well, technically he is reality. <laughs> That was actually one of the answers. That's uh, that's uh, one of Aquinas's answers. Uh, that he is reality itself. We we have to. There needs to be. I thought, but I think the argument that really got him was Aquinas's first first cause theory. The idea, first cause. the first cause theory, suggests that all things in the world have causal causal links. Causal causal. It's it's a causal chain reaction. And if you trace the causal reaction all the way to the end, you will either arrive at two options. One is that it goes on ad infinitum and never ends. Two is that it stops at what is what Aquinas calls the first cause, the 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 cause that is the cause in itself has started all subsequent causes. Which has to be oh. God by elimination. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I think he explained this to me in one time. The the Heideggerian argument I brought I brought up was the idea that I told I told my friend to look at God as a Dasein in itself. He didn't know what Dasein meant, so I didn't say Dasein, but but I told <laughs> I told him to look at God as a Dasein in himself, and I told him to to identify the existential isolation that comes with his being that you can only see the world through the eyes of 
your your own and even then i connected it to a little bit to kantian metaphysics in that i told him that you can never really know a thing in itself even when you are perceiving the thing in itself you are it is being filtered through your senses which yeah. you can which you can guarantee are authentic and i told him that you know your your design is exclusive to you and your interpretation of the world including your rationalizations of things are limited by your design at the same time it is limited also by your human intellect your human intellect is not the end all be all faculty of which everything in the world can function upon and even if you cannot comprehend the existence of god whether or not your dazen comprehends it does nothing to impede its existence he will still exist regardless and i told him that if you have trouble understanding the the ethos of why god would decide to create things why why he decides to do things mm-hmm. you have a human dazen god has a god dazen and a human dazen cannot hope to comprehend even like a fraction of the god dazen it's too vast it's too big it's too it's too it's cuz cuz the dazen is predicated on the fact that there is a beginning and an end how do you comprehend a dazen that has no horizons mm-hmm. fucking impossible you know yeah you just you, you just kind of have to let it be and and admit the weakness of the human dazen Goddamn. Mm, 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 mm. I can I can see how you, you know, struck that guy. <clears throat> I can I, I, I as I was talking about this, we were standing outside a convenience store. I was smoking with a monster in my other hand. He was all right. And he was also smoking. <laughs> I love it. Oh man. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> The thing about this guy is that he was so stubborn cuz he he just wants to fight. He says stuff like what if someone created that god you're talking about? And I said, "Eddie, that's god." Malamang. What if someone created god? Then that that's god. No one that created god, that's god. Yo, bro. He even tried he even tried to be like Rick and Morty philosophical now. What if that god is just a simulation and and there we're we're just the playthings of a higher civilization and then I'm like Eddie that higher civilization is god. And he, he and he keeps trying to say things like like how does that prove that this is the Christian god? And I told him That's not the Christian God. It's just God. <laughs> like like Christianity was not a thing that existed before space time. Christianity. God's just God, dude. <laughs> like the question the 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 one that really pissed me off with this guy was the his arguments on free will. That was the one that he was so That was really hard to drill into. He believes we are all algorithms, right? And like that's another episode for another day. But right, such an inconsistent argument. Honestly, there's no way this could fucking. We're I mean, all algorithms. He said. He says that all all choices we make, 
and enable the choice that we are about to make as the only possible choice. It, it's still linear, you know? It's, it's <laughs> like, come on, man. Based on the things we've learned so far, do you really think that's possible? I, 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 even, I even gave him examples. I said, say I go down the street and I can either go straight, left, or right. Whether I decide to go left, straight, or right, the road I went to go there is the same. So to say that if I decide to go left, my, the course of events that led to me going left had to result in me going left is is false. It's it's like he's this bro- if, if 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 it's a guy who's a man of science, he would probably know. Schrod- he, he says he says he's a man of science, but he's not. That's not a man of science statement. That he doesn't believe then Schrodinger's cat. The concept of that. That you don't know if it's either I, this or I, I, uh, this conclusion or that conclusion. That's a it's good. A that's a good of, fucking argument. I should bring that up with him actually. Like, come on, man. Schrodinger's cat. That's like a simple thing to, uh, like a simple concept that almost every science man should know. It can be either dead or alive. Same for every choice we make. It could either be this or that. We're in a state of being that it, it's that it's either. So if you're saying it's so linear, then you kind of you're kind of co- contradicting yourself as a science man. That's a fucking really good point, Bobby. I'm going to bring that up the next time I see this guy. Holy crap! And <laughs> he, this guy. No problem. I asked him, "How do you reinforce what you believe?" And he says that. I'm open to change my beliefs depending on the evidence that is present. And oh, I that, that that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I told him I told him that evidence is evidence, data, hard like evidence for anything. That is mm. something of a physical phenomena. That is something of a worldly purely empirical phenomena. How can you use a physical object, which is one dimension out of an infinity of dimensions, to analyze the world? How can you use physical evidence to, to justify things in themselves or Dasein? <laughs> or you are, you are trying or essence, to... honestly. And then he told me that... If there, if it's not practical, if it's not productive, if there's no way in the world to measure it, why bother measuring it? Okay. Okay. And, um, can I disprove what that? If the if if can if it cannot be measured and it should not be considered, that's not how. Like a a science man or, a science man would think. I uh, yeah. First of all, what it what it told him was that. Based on that logic, the body of science we have now should not exist. Science is predicated on philosophy. For example, what says science should be as rigorous as it is? There is a philosophical principle that suggests that science has to have that rigor. At the same time, why does science assume that the world is structured the way it is? Because science relies on that structure of the world to conduct experiments. Like, yeah. So I was like, I was like, what in the scientific realm 
can prove that, for example, that there is this very specific, very certain, very concrete structure. Like, it's like the world is lending itself to the current model of science. And it's like, don't you see the fucking, like, disconnect here, right? <laughs> yeah, the hypocrisy. <laughs> I mean, there's some some atheists just want to fight. They just they don't even they don't even care. They just want to piss you off. Man, I'm science my ass. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. The, the, the basic so the I'm basic really... concept of science, the mere fact that it cannot be measured, that's what science science is for. You are trying to measure it. Science, the basic concept of science is to explain the world around us, or right. explain our our uh, environment, everything that. That is an alien concept to us. We try to explain it, measure it, I put told, a number to it. I told and... him that his stance. Oh shit, sorry. I told yeah. him that his stance was that of utilitarian metaphysics, that it's something's practicality that validates its existence. And I told him that that idea is intrinsically nihilistic because one is that if you trace it back long enough, then nothing should exist. Nothing, nothing is practical in it in and of itself. To assume mm-hmm. that practicality is a principle that precedes existence does not work unless you are God. Unless. Ooh, damn. And then he just hey. he just goes on to say shit like you're straw manning me. And I'm like, I'm not straw manning you. <laughs> you don't do that to me. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I have to be patient with these people. <laughs> right. Yeah, at least you know you're doing a good job, man. Thank you. Arigato. I do my best. Good job. And then this guy pretends that he's an atheist, edgy lord who has all the answers. And then I'm like, why am I talking to you? Why did you agree? Why did you agree? He asked me to talk to him. That's the thing. I didn't. He reached out to me. And, and if you want to be this hardcore atheist, edgy lord who believes that we're all robots and nothing matters, like Rick Sanchez, nothing matters, Morty. If you actually, if you actually believe that, why, why, why the hell would you reach out to me? Why are you asking me these questions if you actually believe that? Tell me, like, even though you do believe it, why are you, are you, like, do you just want to fight me? Is that it? <laughs> Is that your purpose, man? Su- such a weak purpose, man. Yeah, this guy's my friend, but this guy gets on my nerves sometimes. Holy crap! <laughs> I like, I, I like that he's uh he's assuming that he's a man of science no that is not he said i say science. i say and i quote i'm a man of science but i'm not a scientist fuck you <laughs> <laughs> you do not deserve to say you're a man of science if you do not dive into the idea of science itself or fields that undergo the structure of science there's Does a... he know the basic, uh, like, hypothesis of science or the basic way of thinking is through the hypothesis? I forgot the steps already, but the thing is, you start with the hypothesis. What if? With the what if? Like, by that itself, it's already tied to philosophy. The what if? Hypothesis is literally a philosophic, ph- philosoph- philosophical concept. I would argue that it is because mm. hypothesis is already saying, uh, I believe this can be like this or this is this. 
And that's where the testing happens. This is where the magic begins. This is where the science process comes. Right. You test it. You try it. You you try other things. You double in it. And if it doesn't work, then you conclude that your hypothesis is wrong. If it's right, all right. My hypothesis becomes fact. And from that start, it roots to philosophy already. Strong start, you know? You know what's fucking hilarious also? What? Um, you know the father of the scientific method, Francis Bacon. Scientific method. Whoops, I forgot to name it. Yeah, that's yeah, it's scientific he, method. He uh, he had a quote. Right. Philosophy leads you away from God, but a little bit more leads you back to him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I use this meme a lot in our podcast. You could not live with your own failure. <laughs> Where did that bring you? Back to me. Back to me. This, this, this guy. No, I mean, now that you mention it, Bobby, I'm thinking mm. about all like about how little theistic scientists there are in the world. Most scientists are hardcore atheists. There are very few men of science who are believers in God, at the very least, even agnostic. A lot of them are very hardline atheist. Yeah. Actually, a good number of theistic scientists come from the Philippines. The mere God fact, bless. The... God fucking bless. Let's go. God bless that. Yeah. And you could say I'm also one of that. Nice. Well, one of that with very large quotation marks because I am not a very banal person. Banal. Banal is an English word. Banal, banal. Yeah, sorry. I was gonna be like, wait, I think I said something wrong. <laughs> banal. I'm not. I'm not a holy guy. Banal is, fact, ta- banal is Tagalog for uh, holy. Yeah, I'm. Not, I'm not a holy guy. Not I, to be I, confused I, with banal. Uh, like I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say, I, I'm not the best person spiritually, but I would still believe that there is a God. Mm. This is that I, I'm not a traditional type of uh, Catholic, which is kind, kind of, kind of imposes on itself, saying like, then what are you then? You know? a, a little bit of questioning is good for the church. I'd rather, I'd rather have a believer who questions and have his faith tested. Rather than a blind follower who just believes for the sake of believing, I'd rather have doubting Thomases who are agnostic and put their faith to the test than I would have stupid blind dog sheeple. <laughs> I am very honest uh. here because because if you doubt and you and you somehow come back, you are going to be twice the man you were when you left. Example A. <laughs> Case in point. <laughs> oh, is it? Was it me? Oh shit! Yeah, that's you. No, I don't. <laughs> you're, the, you're twice the man you were before. Ow! Stop it, you. <laughs> come on, man! Like, come on. A guy like the last person I would think who can evangelize people is actually evangelizing people. Oh, what is you. that? Stop That's surreal, you. man. That's I'll fucking choke surreal. you. I'll kill you. Stop it, my eagle. Oh. Yeah, try try to choke me from the from your comforts of your own content. Japan. Oh yeah, I live in Japan. I'm just you get you know that. 
<laughs> oh yeah, we forgot to say that you're in you're you're in Dusisha right now. Yeah, you're in Kyoto. You live in Kyoto. Some people so, some Dushisha. people dream of seeing Fushimi Inari like mm. every day of their lives. They're like, oh, I wanna have a postcard in the, under all the Tori gates. Some people dream of seeing the Golden Pavilion. I I I can I I can go there whenever I feel like it. <laughs> I've been there once, and that's it. It was a long walk i swear yeah kyoto's transportation system is kind of garbage <laughs> it's very yeah. limited because uh, you know the city like is so the only... moment we get there we, we the moment you get there you're gonna have to walk through all the gates then you have to climb up that shit dude holy shit it's gonna be such a tiring time but honestly it's a very nice uh tourist spot i would uh, love going there again i can go there whenever i feel like <laughs> How much is the entrance fee? It's free. No Fushimi way. Inari. Yeah. It's it's free. You can go there whenever you want. It's open 24 hours too. I've, I've climbed up that mountain and at like 1 in the morning. And people also climb, well, walk up there. People are making totnak in the fucking bushes when you're climbing up that shit, I promise. No, no way. Yeah, naughty Japanese kids, dude. They're, like, <laughs> they're, they're, they're out there. I mean, it's a genius place to go because who would go there? I would. In the morning? <laughs> Here's the thing, you're you're not a normal person. <laughs> That's true. There's monkeys and wild boars that roam that mountain too, so it's medjedelix if you go there. Monkeys, monkeys are harmless, no man. Unless you, you, they're in packs. Yeah, you, 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 you never you know. No, these monkeys are like macaques. <laughs> Whoa! So. Medyo, you know, they're the ones with like red asses and red faces. Ah, those, the, the, I call them the ice monkeys. Yeah, yeah, the ice monkeys, but they're, 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 they're also here where there's no ice. <laughs> For some reason. Oh, yeah, I was, I was saying that the scientists, the hardline atheist scientists, up, up, yeah. up, I, one of the big reasons I feel like they're not asking the right questions is because they're so invested in their own hubris or in their own research. They're arrogant, honestly. That it's a perfect example of living inauthentically and Heideggerian Honestly, terms. yeah. They do not account for the totality of their existence. So they tunnel vision, so to speak. And and I also want to argue, like, in, in my opinion, the essence of being a scientist is to discover is to learn, is to relearn and reinterpret things that you think is true, which could actually be false. That is prime, like, uh, prime essence of science, you know? Mm. You, you learn to disprove things. That's basically it. So, Not just to, to discover. You learn so that you could disprove whatever you learned before. That's, like, magical, you know? And science is important that way. And if if you think that, you know, you're stuck to your beliefs the whole time, means you're not really practicing what you ought to be. Yeah, there was a good example of of scientists getting put in their place by their own theory. Uh, there was a debate between Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson uh, about <clears throat> about about. Oh, Peterson about the existence guy, of God. Yeah. So Jordan Peterson actually is, I think, an agnostic theist. He believes in God, 
and Sam Harris is one of the four horsemen of the of the atheist movement. Mm. And Jordan Peterson fucking demolished him by making Sam Harris admit through his own argument that God is a possibility. And uh, it's um, it's 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 a it's, it's it, it it was um, it was an example of that. It was a play yourself kind of thing, and the way some of these atheists knew the atheists argued like the the the, the chief horseman of the atheist apocalypse is this guy. I think you know Richard Dawkins. <laughs> yeah. So Richard Dawkins is such an asshole. Holy shit! This guy's a piece of shit. There's a there's a viral video which a lot of atheists would would say is a excellent argument for God, where a girl asked him. What if you're wrong? And he goes on this long tangent about what happens if Saying he was uh, uh, what he was wrong. It basically amounts to Pascal's wager. But at the end of the day, you know what he said? What? It was about maybe five minutes of him ranting. But in other words, what he said is, "What if I'm wrong? What if you're wrong?" <laughs> it's, um, it's, and a, a lot, a lot of atheists take after this guy. Because he, the way he argues is that he just disses you, and all the debates about oh, that that feature Richard Dawkins, he's debating people who have positions that do not even make an ounce of sense. He's debating cre- like creationists, for example. Creationists? Who the fuck are creationists? Creationists are people are they, who believe are they that. Some so- I was gonna ask, are they some sort of Protestants? No. No, there we're we're guilty of that too. Creationists are people that believe that God made the world in seven days. Ah, those those people. Okay. So, I think any rational Christian would look down on these people, right? <laughs> because and he bothers to argue with them, but yeah, in in theology, there's a term called apologetics. Apologetics refers to opposition. In a in a political not political but in a in a yeah in a political or theological doctrine that mm-hmm. is very hard to defend. Something like pro life, for example. Right. Pro life, or or like in or like the idea that people burn in hell if you're un if you're unfaithful. It's a position that is super hard to defend. And some people and the people apologist apologists are the people who defend these. At worst, they're fucking brainless monkeys. At best, they know how to make a really, really, really shitty position look really good. <laughs> but there are lines you you draw. Some positions are just not worth it, like creationism. <laughs> No, yeah. <laughs> just no. <laughs> the, the 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 normal Christians is like uh um, you can disregard that or, uh it's that one brother that we don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. This ain't it, chief. <laughs> don't don't huh? do it. And Richard don't, Do- don't do it. Richard Richard Dawkins was getting. There was a, de- a debate I saw where a creationist actually pissed off Richard Dawkins where where the creationist said... Because Richard Dawkins is an advocate for evolution, evolution theory. And the creationist right. said God made the world in seven days. And 
it they she used the standard run of the mill argument that you can't disprove that God didn't make the world in seven days. And she said, Show me the evidence that evolution is real. And Dawkins just says, Go to the museum, go to the museum, go to the museum. And and she's like, There is no evidence in the museum. Go, it's right there in front of your face. Go to the museum. God fucking damn it. That's so and, obnoxious. And I just all I saw were two apes screaming at each other. Wank monk. I hit both of them. Were, it, it was such a joke of a... There was a time where I actually thought Richard Dawkins was so cool. Uh, yeah, until, but it, until, it, it, until it's... Um... And I, 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 and the reason why I thought he was cool was not because he had good arguments. It was because he was an asshole. <laughs> I was like, man... You just I, liked him because he was I, controversial. I, I, I wish I could talk to the man come like that. I was like that. <laughs> Uh, there was a guy. Oh, there was a guy in her school who was lugging around a copy of Richard Dawkins' famous atheist book, *The God Delusion*. <laughs> he was he was lugging it around. He's my classmate. And I've read the I've read some excerpts of *The God Delusion*. It's it's so yeah. vit, it's so vitriolic. It's like who hurt you? You're so angry. Why? Like, do you need a hug, bro? <laughs> The God Delusion is basically a very... Condi- so here's the thing. He basically parrots what Nietzsche said about God being dead. But he somehow sounds like a bigger asshole and a more condescending prick than Friedrich Nietzsche. That's an achievement. <laughs> and I thought Nietzsche was like the most condescending prick ever. Look at the title of his book, The God Delusion. He's implying that it's not even subtle. He's implying that the people who believe in God are delusional and are incompetent. Hey, ain't that rude, bro? Evolutionarily weak. He see he suggests that there are there are ties to innate biological, psychological needs that we need religion to fulfill. So we delude ourselves into thinking that we need God to satisfy these biological, psychological needs. He is mm-hmm. literally saying that people who need religion are biologically inferior in some facet to to people who don't. Is he even a real person? This guy's such, this guy's a prick. He's an asshole. Like he's such like, a he's such a cunt. Richard Dawkins, man, what the um, fuck? Sounds like a baby gago. And the, here, here's the thing: there are apologists, Catholic apologists, who challenge Richard Dawkins, who want to fight him. Especially uh, Thomistians, people who are schooled in the Thomistic tradition of metaphysics. The really hard-hitting, high-octane, high-level church shit that is super hard to disprove. Thomas Aquinas. Richard Dawkins has not fought any of them. He still wants to fight all the monkeys who are like, God made the world in seven days, the Bible said so. (laughs) It's like... He's just setting up, setting the bad press against himself, man. It's he he revels in his cult of followers that just say, "Oh, Dawkins, let's go, Dawkins, <laughs> Dawkins." I'm pretty sure he he, he kick started because he just wants to get all the clout for the sake of the clout, you know. To the go thing against... the thing about Dawkins is that as a as a science popularizer, he's really good. He has a book called the the Selfish Gene. Which is very interesting, very thought-provoking, thought-engaging. He's mm-hmm. one of the foremost figures in evolutionary biology, but 
he decided to put to put that on the back burner and he instead decided to be an asshole. <laughs> like if like you know there's a lot of scientists out there who are agnostic like oh uh, a good one is this guy Brian Green he's a physicist. Brian Green is an agnostic atheist but mm. he he said that he is not discounting the chance that there is a god out there. He acknowledge he acknowledges how but that's how you do it, you know? That's a good attitude. He's he acknowledges how convenient it is that the cosmos are arranged the way it is so that his experiments are working the way they are. Yeah. I like that. You know, why 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 can't Richard Dawkins have that some sort of attitude? If, oh, if, tri- if, trivia. If, Richard Dawkins was the person who found The Selfish Gene. His book is the book mm-hmm. that originated, popularized, and coined the term meme. Meme. Yeah, meme. The whole... Shit. Now I can't hate that person too much. <laughs> the, the, whole, the, the only uh, bearing that matters, you know? <laughs> in, in, in his book, a meme is an idea, behavior, or something that spreads through imitation between people to person to person, especially within a culture. In uh, other words, I, I, and then it, it evolved to become an inside joke, therefore meme. meme. Internet memes are... Yeah, Richard Dawkins is... As much as he's a prick, he is the father of the meme. <laughs> I don't know. When you say meme, it just reminds me of the guy named Welcome to Behind the Meme. <laughs> oh, you Lord. Know that guy? I hate that, that guy. Guy's, that guy's cancer. If, if, uh, if Richard Dawkins wants to debate creationists, just go. I hate it too. <laughs> he that's all he fights. Like in his atheistic career, most of most he, of most, why does most, he fight the most illogical, irrational it's, uh, it's, people it's, in the... it's it's easy. It's so easy. He's just stepping down, dude. Honestly, like that's just low blow, more or less. If he wants to prove that he's better, he's right. Go for the really highly regarded Christians. And that's a challenge itself. Overcome that, then yeah, maybe we can respect you. But you're just going to the bottom end of the bucket, you know? Uh there are there are a lot of people who actually uh who actually fight Dawkins. A lot of them have really good arguments against him and a lot of them make make really, <laughs> especially uh, the God delusion. There's a lot of people that that like fucking you know fight them and fuck and fucking destroy them, destroy him, and he doesn't like. You know, it's like it's <laughs> there's a guy named Will, William Lane Craig. William Lane Craig is a really well known uh, apologist and philosopher. And right. he wrote a response to the uh, Richard Dawkins's God delusion. He wrote the Dawkins delusion. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's <laughs> not. It's not. It's not even subtle. It's like fuck you. <laughs> and then Richard Dawkins never, never replied to him. I think <laughs> the Dawkins. Does delusion. that imply he was right? Ooh. 
I mean, Richard Dawkins just picks his fights. It's a smart idea in that he picks fights he can win because the fights he can win are really anyone can win them, honestly. So, <laughs> anyway, this is like. Uh, a... So, how could you say it's smart if you if if you think that uh, the fights he's taking is like anyone can win them? So that's gonna, just like he's I'm... just 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 an ass. I'm going. I'm going to look up right now. Uh. Richard Dawkins' most high-profile, oh, really good opponent. Debate. Because if you okay. search, if if you search up Richard Dawkins' debate, uh, here, a lot of the times he is fighting poo poo heads. He, yeah. He gets good media then. Yeah, you know, Dawkins Sensei fight. There would oh yeah, there was there's this one guy who actually I think may have destroyed Richard Dawkins. Uh what? Uh actually no. I'm looking I'm I'm looking at YouTube and all all, all the people he's fighting are like not scrubs. Scrubs, yeah, like scrubs. Honestly, you know what I feel like? He's like some high-level player pub stomping in a low-level level one <laughs> server. It's not even fun. <laughs> there are there are, there are well there there's one times actually where Richard Dawkins had at the very least civil arguments with people like one of the most famous people he had he had uh an argument with was this guy named uh, rowan williams rowan williams is the archbishop of canterbury wow so this guy knows his shit and richard dawkins for the first time this is the first time i ever saw richard dawkins calm and tame and very relaxed <laughs> you know in the sense that this is a guy who knows his shit you cannot fuck with this guy and that he and i had to scroll down like really really far into the into the searches to find it hmm. just just goes to show what, what kind of people he's fighting if i had to go really far to find rowan williams i i think he just really does that tantrum shit to the people who who are at that level but maybe when he uh you know debates with the really high profile people he acts calmly he acts you know oh and, here, uh, and, the here, right and there, there's another one this is the one that i think people like to cite the most which is where he lost he was fighting a, a guy named john lennox and the reason john lennox is a christian but here's the thing john lennox isn't a bishop a priest or a creationist john lennox is a mathematician so <laughs> you can't outplay a mathematician you were the chosen one <laughs> it was said you would destroy religion not join them bring balance <laughs> i yeah. love it he, got, he was beaten by someone who couldn't literally just beat them because He's too good, a mathematician. 
Yeah, he. It's a. So it says here that he specializes in. That's honestly just cheating, man. You group know? <laughs> group theory. Group theory. What the fuck is group theory? I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> That's another headache for another time. <laughs> anyway, Anyways, I, I, um, this this is a good episode. To, this is a good note to end on. Any last minute plugs? Yeah. Not much. Um, maybe can you can you guys can catch us in our online performance. Fuck you. Coming soon. Boycott, 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 boycott. Yeah. Um, I'm still debating if I'm willing to start the movement of boycotting that shit. But yeah. Uh, stay tuned, motherfuckers. Nice. Good night, everyone. Good night. Adios. I hope you have a good uh, good time with us. Bye bye. Stop. Try